Today's conversation with Preeti Asana from Aon about diversity, equity, and inclusion was really fun. Really enjoyed all of the conversations on this topic. Feels very personal. It feels very real. Uh, feels very important. And you know, in the show, um, Preeti talks about some of the things that Aon is doing specifically around partner and supplier diversity and leveraging data to drive change. And also about her personal journey as an immigrant, a female immigrant woman of color uh, who's become a leader at Aon and is doing a great job of driving success of Aon and driving change. So I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome everybody to another diversity, equity, and inclusion focused episode of The Enlightened Agent a podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Preeti Astana. Preeti is the Head of Global Programs, Innovation and Partnerships at AI. Preeti, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited for you to be here. You, you and I have known each other, I, I want to say, about four years now, actually. We met at the Plug and Play event in the spring of 2018. So yeah, almost four years exactly. And we were just getting the business off the ground. I was still learning who all the uh, agencies in the industry were. And I'd heard about a company called Aon that was doing something around uh, insurance broking and placement and got connected to you through, I think, both the Plug and Play Network, one of our angel investors. And I really, frankly, just enjoyed um, staying close to you over the years as we figured out how to work more closely together and obviously excited for the the work we're doing and appreciate all the help that that you've offered along the way um, and appreciate getting to know you. But our, our audience, I don't think, uh, knows you as well as I do. So if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, let everybody know who is who is Preeti and, and what do you do today? Absolutely. So I'm based out of Chicago and uh, my background has been in strategy consulting, planning and transformation. If you ask me, I view myself more as a strategy generalist who spent about 20 years in the industry, and it has been across telecom, consulting, and insurance. So I did not really grow up in insurance, so have more of a broad broad industry experience there. I've been with uh, Aon for the last 12 years, of which the last six have been focused primarily in some way or form uh, with emerging technology. And uh, it's been quite a ride, and you know, you've been part of that journey too. So I'm glad we met. <laughs> I currently lead uh, global programs for innovation and partnerships, which is basically responsible for partnership development with emerging technology companies, which are aligned to how Aon thinks about its strategic priorities or how we are helping clients achieve them. I, uh, Over the years, you know, my work has been focused on delivering some of the innovation at scale and that is done by centralized by establishing a centralized approach of how we engage with companies and some common content development and evaluating it in a way that is most relevant for our organization. And you know, the this is more on the work side. On a personal level, I'm an immigrant in this country. I came to this country about 15 years ago, and uh, I'm also a mother of uh, two girls. So I believe in leading by example and, uh, you know, being uh, just responsible for how they chart their career. So I'd like to prove to women who are out there that 
we can have a thriving career as a successful business leader as well as manage a family so that's me <laughs> that's amazing uh you've had a lot of success on your journey and you know i didn't i've only known you in the, in the context of insurance so i didn't realize you had more of a, a generalist background but i'm not surprised to hear that the the skills and the capabilities uh from a strategy perspective certainly translate across industries so makes a ton of sense and i guess for the I want to talk a lot today about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But from a from a business perspective, it sounds like your role, and at least how we've kind of gotten to know each other, is really about helping kind of translate the external world of vendors and insure techs and and innovative companies, and kind of bringing that internally. Because I know your your team and your employees aren't spending all their time looking at at outside technologies and companies. They've got day jobs and advising clients on. Risk and placement. So is that is that is that the right way to think about it? Is kind of a, a bridge between the internal world and the external world. Yeah. So I describe myself as a matchmaker. Okay. <laughs> so that's okay. if there was one way to say who I am, you know, that's probably it. So uh, I think about it because you know it's the conduit between what we are seeing within with the external innovation community and what we are seeing as use cases, but also building in the experts. Because as I said, you know, I'm a generalist. I don't, you know, I'm not even a technologist, but I know who the right technologists are for the role within the firm. So making sure that we are in a very interconnected way, working through the right priorities. So you know, matchmaking is part of my role. I'm going to call you the the Tinder for InsureTechs if you want. <laughs> <laughs> the internal Tinder for InsureTechs at Aon. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's more than just a swipe left and a swipe right exercise at least I hope it is <laughs> I wish um, that was so simple <laughs> right that one looks good I'll take that one yep one of those one of those well hey that's that's awesome and it makes a ton of sense that I, I think I think Anne's lucky to have you in that role and you know I think what I'd love to focus on today is you know less about insurance and insure tech and, and more around diversity equity and inclusion um you I've clearly been successful in, you know, gaining a leadership role at one of the largest insurance companies in the world. And I think that's incredible. You know, I think one of my questions for you is, as a, you know, racially diverse immigrant woman, what can you tell us or what can you tell the listeners about what that experience has been like? So that's a very interesting question. And if you had asked me that question 15 years ago, uh, the answer would have been very different. But okay. overall, I think it's been a good journey, you know, as an immigrant who basically uh, just came in, you know, leaving a, my whole career behind. And, you know, for whatever reasons, when I immigrated, it was challenging to establish myself at first and, you know, to kickstart my career. I actually worked with a management consulting firm before I came in. So I thought, oh, you know what? It's very transferable when I move to a new country. It's just going to work out. But, well, guess what? It doesn't happen that way. And it didn't help. <laughs> that I moved in at a time which was right in the midst of the recession in 2007. So leaving behind a successful career with a management consulting firm was probably not the right decision at that time. But, you know, it was a personal decision and I needed to be here for whatever reasons. And it meant that I needed to start afresh and uh, start afresh by building my network, which was the biggest challenge, you know, and I decided to go back to school. And uh, that was the best decision that I made because yeah. I went back to school, I built my network, I got some very supportive uh, colleagues 
mentors, allies along the way who actually helped me further my career. Even I would say as a racially diverse woman, I have received a lot of support uh, within the firm and the community and through the networks that I am part of. And uh, they've, they've actually played a big role in where I am today. So I'm really appreciative on the far off. Uh, and it's just not, you know, other women or other diverse women. It's been the majority who's come out and provided the support. So, you know, as a community as a whole. So, you know, I would say that people generally have good hearts. And they, you know, if they see the right talent, they are there to support you and make you grow. I mean, you say that, but the, I think we're living in a world um, and, and in an industry where that, that hasn't always been the case, right? You get people who kind of go with what's comfortable and what's comfortable is often, you know, the people you feel most alike with, right? So, you know, men hiring other men or white people hiring other white people. And I think that's been, I think there's obviously a history of that. If you just look at the numbers um, in the insurance industry, that's that's what you get. So I think Interestingly enough, your story is is unique in that way. And I, I wonder, is there anything unique about these networks that you're with that are different than maybe some of the other industry? Like what, I don't know, can you tell us, is it, was it the, it's a school network? Was it the companies that you were with? I, mean, it's, I know you were not with AON the whole time, but can you tell us something about these groups and curious why, sure. why they might've been so enlightened as to be not so, um, so biased, so. You know, before I move on there and say, paint a very rosy picture of it, I would just like to add that it's not that, you know, we've had a 50-50 diversity all along and it's still not the case, you know. Yeah. I felt supported, but oftentimes I've been the only woman in a group of 40 white men and mm. that stands out. So, right. <laughs> But it doesn't mean that the other 40 white men haven't been supportive of me. But it's right. just that, you know, it's been... You've noticed that, you know, when you have such a small percentage of people in the group, you do notice. And I guess then from a network perspective, you know, of course, uh, the organization network really matters. You know, your community networks matter. So I'm part of uh, a lot of women's networks and groups that I'm supporting more from a perspective of mentoring young colleagues and female leaders. So all these groups have helped along the way and, you know, identifying the folks who would be the right connections. Like one of my mentors once told me, don't be apologetic for being a woman. And that's yeah. been literally my mantra. <laughs> so, you know, I when I walk into a room, I don't care if uh, I'm a woman or a man. And I guess, you know, <laughs> when you go with that, uh, with that mindset, if you really don't see any difference and, it's okay to be the one woman in the room with 40 men. Interesting. So I wonder that that kind of makes me wonder if you've ever, if you've ever felt treated unfairly, either because of your gender or your race. And has that ever happened to you? Or is that something that you've managed to, I don't know. I'm just curious if you have any experience with that. So personally, I think I've had, I've probably been one of the anomalies and I've had a fairly good run. I've had a lot of supporters. And, uh, you know, minor incidents here or there, but nothing that stood out. And it was probably, it wouldn't have been the major highlight of my journey. But right. I do mention a lot of women who have been, you know, having said that, you know, a lot of women who do face it right. more for the reason that they're a woman or they're a person of color or diverse, are from a diverse background. And, you know, there is a big, there's a social paradigm here 
as to how organizations are being held accountable. You know, I, I guess even about a decade ago, organizations weren't being held accountable. So these conversations were not coming up uh, and people were not talking about it. And that's changing. And, uh, you know, what's happened as a result of it is that women recognize that they need, they can go ahead and, you know, raise their voice. So one of uh, my mentors and, you know, I guess another female colleague of mine told me that men are judged for their potential and women are judged for their results. So it's also a mindset change. And it's not, it's very, you know, it got me thinking, it said, oh, yes, you know, I wouldn't apply for a job if I check every box that's in the requirements list, because I feel that I'm not ready for it. And that goes to the inherent nature that we are overprepared, overprepared how we handle our personal life, how we handle our, you know, like most of us are (laughs) overprepared. So, you know, it's okay to take risks. It's okay if you have six, you know, you can check six boxes out of the 10 boxes because you see the potential to grow. And there's another senior leader at, at the firm who said that if I did really check all the 10 boxes, I probably wouldn't be applying for the job because right. then I know the job, you know, it, that's not exciting enough for me. So it was a mindset change. And that's something which I kind of implemented in my career early on as well. I said, okay, you know what? When I took up my current role in emerging technology without an engineering background, I'm sure a lot of folks said that, oh, why are you doing that? But I wanted to apply my learnings from management consulting and strategy and building a business at scale to something which was new and entrepreneurial within a large firm. So that ability to take risk doesn't come naturally to us and it doesn't come naturally to me personally. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of learning that I can have from you, Jason, because you started your own business. But, you know, I guess this is where we are learning and that learning opportunity helps. you know, how you can frame your career. You said a lot of interesting things in that in that answer. The first one I want to touch on, which is men judge for potential, women judge for results. You know, to me, that screams of, of unconscious bias that I think is very real, right? The assumption is if she hasn't done it before, she can't do it, right? Whereas for a guy, the assumption is if he hasn't done it before, well, you know, there's nothing to say that he can't do it, right? Let's give him a chance. And that's, I think that's sad. Right. That's the, the short answer is that it's probably real, unfortunately. And people like you are hopefully changing that perception, right? Where the more leaders see other leaders in the room who are diverse and see results from them, right? The, the, the more you can break down those barriers and those perceptions. But there's unfortunately just a lot of, a lot of history of bias around that, that, that needs time to, to work through. And I think all of the conversations that are happening today are, are, are pushing that through. And the second thing you said Talking is- Talking about you know, bias. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, tell me. Talking about bias, you know, I guess about uh, seven or eight years ago it's, as well, it would have been very obvious to say, oh, you know, she's the mom. It's her job to go and pick up the kids from school and, uh, or, you know, like take care of them. Well, guess what? You know, the reason I'm here is because I have a very supportive spouse who does exactly all that I do. So men have a big role to play in removing the bias and, uh, you know, in driving some of the successful uh, careers. So, you know, I guess the uh, bias and the network, that happens not only at an organization level, but even at the home. And that translates, you know, people are seeing that in the workplace. 
and that translates in how you know they, you're engaging with your female colleagues and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Yeah, I think you have to support the people in your network, whether it's your family network or your business network or, or some of these other groups that you're in. You know, the comment that you know, the ability to take risks doesn't come naturally. I think it's rare that people love taking risks because if they do, they've probably been hurt a lot and they've probably learned, right? So the reality is people take risks when they feel supported, right? And they there's something that they're passionate about or excited about and they feel the support of their network to enable that. I mean, I, I, I didn't have the courage to start my first company until I got married and I had the emotional support of my wife behind me. And that was, that was the big difference. And then with Broker Buddha, you know, we, we founded this coming out of an incubator and we had, you know, I had access to the incubator and another insurance company in the incubator as well. So it, it, the idea of taking risks is, is important. That's how you drive change and it's valuable, but you really do need a network of people that you trust to help, to help support you through that. So. Um, you work at, at a quite a quite a large insurance company at Aon. I'm, I'm curious to know how Aon thinks about and approaches you know diversity, equity, and inclusion. How does it how does it build that network for the employees there? Because that's one of the keys to driving taking risks and driving change, as we know. So, so you know, I'm actually very privileged to be part of Aon, and I feel incredibly lucky to be here. And the reason for that is that. Diversity and inclusion is part of the DNA of the organization. And we've been consciously thinking about, you know, talent, you know, developing talent, you know, and thinking about inclusion and leadership at a very, you know, at a level which is very granular. So, for example, our senior leadership, it's a very diverse team, so almost, you know, 50-50. And uh, that's consciously done, you know. It's not that, you know, there are lots of senior leaders at the firm who are from a diverse background, and they have been provided the opportunity to take, take the charge and lead. So I'll talk about two initiatives specifically, you know, how Aon approaches, and there are several others. But one of them, you know, that's a high-level commitment to our inclusion and diversity objectives, and that's through the Global Inclusive Leadership Council. And that's a group of senior leaders who come together and who are discussing topics which are relevant and implementing and putting it into action. The second one is more of an employee network, which is called the business resource groups. And there are about 20 odd of them at the firm. And it's a very powerful tool because it gives uh, colleagues a voice. They feel that they are responsible. They can be part of the community. And they are heard. And a lot of times, the business resource groups, they have attendance from the senior-most leaders in the firm. So I am part of the Asian Pacific Islander leadership group, and I am an active participant of the Women in Technology Network, the Women Leadership Network at Aon. So these are all ways which are bringing in actionable opportunities for colleagues. And by actionable opportunities, I mean that it's not just about, you know, let's hear you out. It's okay, what can we do about it? You know, for example, if there are ways to help other colleagues, junior colleagues progress their careers, helping them understand, you know, what is it that they need to do? What types of training is required? Where can they plan their careers? Bringing them the right mentors from the network and outside the network 
having allies who can support sometimes you know you just need a sounding board and making sure that you're on the right path so all those together make it very actionable and you know these are just two of the many activities that are uh, happening across the firm but you know i personally feel that being involved in both of these they they are some of the most powerful implications of you know having a diverse workforce and helping them uh, grow with your people I think what you said that really resonated in there for me was not just, first of all, I had to say having these groups, right, is one thing. And it sounds like the business resource groups aren't specific to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but within them, I guess for women, technology might be one about sort of elevating women's perspective and Asian Pacific, it sounds like is, is focused on a, a group of people. But the fact that you've got leadership participating in those groups is so significant because on the one hand, you've got the network, which is supportive and helping you through whatever challenges you might be um, facing as it relates to other similar people. That's one, which is great. Knowing that there's leaders in that group, I think, makes a huge difference because I've seen places where uh, interest groups exist, but if you don't have participation from executives, then there's not really a true understanding of what's happening in that group. It becomes sort of like a hey, these people are over there doing something and then they're maybe pitching it to senior leadership. But if it's not understood, then, then, then nothing, ever, nothing ever happens. So the fact that you have a diverse leadership team who's also participating in these groups, it sounds like there's a natural conduit of, of communication that goes back and forth. And that, I don't know, I've not heard that before. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So that's very cool. You know, the one thing which I wanted to add to that point is that to, to actually have senior diverse leaders, you need to develop the talent. You know, it's not going to come naturally. So having a conscious bent of mind to develop that talent, I think that's the differentiator. You know, yeah. identifying at each level that, you know, it's just not okay if you have junior level talent, which is diverse or middle management. You need to have it at each level and you're building it, that talent up to move to the next level. Yeah, I we're, it's interesting. We're, we're a small company, right? We don't have the scale that you guys do. And I mean, the good news is we can start to elevate the conversation around DEI now. It's always, you know, when you're adding your second person to a team, right? It's an interesting thread about, okay, well, how do we think about diversity here when there's only two people on the team? Um, but being conscious of it early, I think will help us so that, you know, as we grow, you know, we don't get to a point where we're, you know, 50 or 100 people and, and we're over-indexing on, on certain you know, gender or racism, we have to, we have to fix it. Um, so whatever you guys have done to get where you are, I think is, is admirable. And it sounds like there's a, a variety of approaches and you've been intentional about that uh, over time. I mean, Aon's a global company. Is that, am I correct? I mean, I think of you guys, obviously, I'm familiar with the U.S. 50,000 employees across the globe, I guess, 120 countries. So wow. we are very diverse, very large. <laughs> I bet that has a lot to do with it, if I'm if I'm honest, right? Because because you're getting you know you know, and you probably have some cross country transfers that happen, right? And you have cross country collaboration that happens, and so my suspicion is that 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 has a big impact on things, and that's that's fantastic. Um, when I worked at, I remember working at Shazam in London. Uh, we were only about fifty people at the time, but it was London's a very diverse city, and we had a very diverse uh, group of people there. I don't know, there's a lot of different cultures, both from around Europe and around the world who come to London. And that was a 
Uh, we weren't a global company, although we did business globally, and, and we had a but we had a global culture because the people in the company were were from you know all over the world, and one of my that was one of my favorite jobs for sure. My favorite projects, uh, teams, group of people, and very fond of that time. And I, I don't doubt that the diversity of that group contributed significantly to that. So, well, diversity brings new ideas at the end of the day. So, <laughs> you know, you need to be diverse if you want to grow. So that leads me to my next question, which is really around the value of diversity. So enlightenment, you know, the show is called The Enlightened Agent. We like to talk about, talk with people who are, you know, we feel are enlightened. And enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And so in an effort to enlighten our audience, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you have learned about the value uh, not just the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion, but the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because that's something I don't think gets talked about enough. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I alluded to, you know, bringing new ideas. Even if you look at our country, some of the most economically prosperous states in the country are those which are very diverse and inclusive. And that has to speak about, you know, how organizations are more diverse and inclusive by being being conscious about it. Now, at Aeon, I talked about the business resource groups. They have a big role to play because, you know, they make, make colleagues feel very welcome. But I wanted to talk about two specific initiatives that I believe that, you know, we are putting this into action and implementing the values that we've embodied. The first one is around looking at our partner and supplier diversity. So are we engaging with the right Entrepreneurs. So we made a conscious effort to actively engage with Black and minority-owned businesses, asking questions about the diversity of the supplier base. So, you know, like, okay, how many people do you employ? You know, what is your diversity ratio? The things which would be restricted to, you know, just a large organization and their ESG reports, which basically used to be put on the side, those are becoming relevant in every conversation, every discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Providing, you know, if you find a uh, find a good entrepreneur, if you find a good supplier and you think that, you know, they're not there yet, but they could get the benefit, making sure that we are bringing in those early stage diverse startups, working with them to provide the right mentorship, connections. So how do you work with a large organization? What does it mean working with procurement? Here are the five things that, you know, you need to have your house in order before you actually start engaging with large companies and give them somewhat of a runway. And uh, finally, you know, like if you're thinking about the next generation of entrepreneurs, they're perhaps still in universities and schools. So how do you engage uh, with the right uh, diverse universities and making sure that you're building that next level of talent that provides that phase and feeds into the pipeline of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, emerging tech companies, which would basically look like the fabric of America. Right. <laughs> so right. that's one exactly. initiative. Yep. Exactly. So that's the first initiative which I'm very proud of and I'm really happy that we were able to execute. The second is, you know, around using leveraging data as an important aspect of driving change. So Aeon uh, partners with uh, Breakthrough Chicago Tech and uh, we participated in their internship program. This is a micro-internship program which is focused on transforming career trajectories of female and uh, non-binary students in tech. 
And uh, together we brought in five interns, sprinters we call them because this was a spring program for a short period of time. And uh, we, they were brought in to work alongside Aon to develop algorithms to predict race, gender, and ethnicity of investors, which is something that needs to be done in order to understand and quantify diversity of investors. And if this information is not made available, it has a lot to speak and, you know, about how investors look today and, you know, making a change and uh, difference into what it should look like in your, in your portfolio going forward. So these are two of the initiatives of the many that I think uh, talk about the value and how it can be put into action. So the, um, on the second one, le- leveraging data to drive change, let me make sure I understand this. So you brought in, or you worked with Breakthrough Chicago to run a, uh, like a micro inter- internship with female and non-binary interns with a focus on predicting investors or just- uh, Just identifying the identify. diversity of investor base, right. not predicting. Identified. So, uh, an investor base in investors in what? In tech and in insurance, in just the global economy. Like, what, what are they analyzing? So, they were looking at you know a database of companies, and uh, and you know again, I have to go back and understand a little bit more because I'm not. I was not personally involved with this. The project per se was to understand you know how IP rich companies work in the space and you know who's investing in them. So. Uh, we probably, uh, you know, that was one area that was looked into. It's one thing to think about leaders and leadership and, you know, developing diversity in the leadership. And then, like you said, middle management and at, at the junior layers as well. But thinking about it at the investor level makes a ton of sense as well, right? Because you have companies, you have investors who are investing in companies, right? And yeah. they're, they're trying to drive change. So somebody on a, another show talked about, there's diversity, which is kind of counting the counting the people and and you know how many women do we have, how many people of color do we have, right? And that, that's one side of DEI. Inclusion is the other, which is how do you get how do you connect these people and get them to work together? And so something about what you said with investors. So if you have a diverse group of investors, they're more likely to invest in people or companies who they feel you know closer with, right? Which is in theory you know, a diverse group of, of founders or a, group, a diverse group of leaders. And I think that's really interesting. And I'm I've, I've, I've fascinated to find out the outcome of that research was. And that's the first step. That was the other part of the, the conversation, which is, is quantifying diversity is the first step. Kind of comes back to your comment about leveraging data. If you know that you've got a investor community that is not diverse, right? Then the question is, how do we as Aon, how does the world create a, an environment that does have a more diverse investor network so that investments in more diverse founders, more diverse leaders um, are happening, which comes back to your earlier point around the value of diversity, one of which is new ideas, right? And so um, it all sort of pulls together is that the the world becomes a better place when, you know, innovation takes place and, you know, the variance in ideas needs to be out there in order for the, the best innovation to happen. So. I love that you guys are tackling I the DNI throughout the chain, right? Like, so from investors down, so all the way down to So if you don't recognize, yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you don't recognize what the problem is, then you can't solve for it. So I, you know, personally being part of the emerging technology 
space, I, again, value data quite a bit. I feel that there's a lot of stress that's going, emphasis that is going around, you know, recognizing what the ground reality is. So it's not just uh, anything that is sitting around and, you know, you don't really make action. So I guess, you know, I was talking to one of uh, our account executives and uh, I asked her that, you know, what's most important to you when you're talking to your clients? She said that if I had any time to read anything, I would pick up the ESG report and read that and understand, you know, it, that has a lot to say about the companies, you know, how the company thinks. And what are the values of the company? And so, you know, like this used to be a side of the desk activity. It's becoming very real now. And organizations are paying attention to it. I know Aon is. And Aon is actually working with our clients to help them understand how ESG impacts them. So I see a space evolving where, you know, this conversation would be part of every, you know, interaction that you have with your clients, your suppliers, your Consumers, just like, you know, consumers have started asking questions around how sustainable you are. They'd ask, you know, how diverse you are. Yep. And that would that would make a lot of difference. I love that. I, lo- I love that that's happening, right? That's just that's super powerful. So, um, Preeti, this has been uh, an enlightening conversation. And I'm not surprised. I've, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Before we wrap up here, anything else you'd like to to say or, or share with our listeners about either you or DE and I or you know anything? This is this is your platform, so um, anything else you'd like to share? So first of all, thank you for having me. I think this has been a very fascinating conversation. I'm personally very invested, and you know I'm raising two strong girls, so I do want them to believe that they can accomplish whatever they want to. But more than anything else, I guess for the listeners. I would share the same advice that I got. Just, you know, don't be apologetic for being a woman, being a diverse person. Go ahead, find your voice and talk, you know, just make sure that your voice is heard. If you need support, there are lots of folks out there who are there to support you. So you find your right network who can help you grow and uh, make the take the right steps as you progress your career. I love that. I, I think the message is strong. I also have two girls, so... And I hope they are. I hope one day they will listen to this and 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 hear your message. And frankly, I hope one day they don't need to hear your message, right? I hope they're <laughs> they grow up to be strong, and the world is a place that is diverse, inclusive, and that they feel right at home in anything they ever want to do. So, Preeti, thanks again for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. Enjoyed seeing you. Look forward to crossing paths again soon and working together. And uh, best of luck with everything you're doing. And both in the business and the TV and I side of things. So thanks again. Thank you, Jason.